Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I just want to ask one quick favor before we jump into this episode. You know, I've been organically growing this podcast for over five years, and I need your help to keep the momentum going. There's two things you can do. One is leaving a five-star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a lot easier. You'll see the rating button right at the top. Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down the page a little bit, and you'll see a write a review button. Additionally, if you want to share this out with your audience on your social channels, text it to a friend or colleague or family member, whatever you have to do to pass this along to individuals that you find may need the help and may be looking to get started. So either of those things or both of you like would be appreciative so I can get this podcast out to more individuals and we can help more people get started and move in the right direction to a more happy and fulfilling life. So thanks again for your help and grateful to have you here on another episode. Let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Matt Thielman, who is the founder of Golden Bristle and the author of the new book, This Is Coaching. Matt works with leaders and change makers to help them live into their purpose more fully and bring their masterpieces to the world. He educates and trains coaches to be world-class in their field and help their clients reach their full potential. Prior to becoming a coach, Matt was in the marketing world, working with clients in practically every industry imaginable. Having worked with companies such as Michigan Raw School of Business, Gannett, Parthenon Publishing, and others, Matt had a good look at how well-intentioned leadership, not getting out of their own way, was causing businesses harm. Matt has been a leadership coach since 2016 and spent 2021 as CEO of Pelea, a coaching organization for venture-backed founders. After a year of intense growth and hard work, Matt turned his focus back to coaching and other soul work he's called to bring to the world. It's simply a continuation of a lifelong mission to heal himself, help others heal, and lead others with authenticity. So I hope you enjoyed my wide-ranging conversation with Matt. And without further ado, please welcome in Matt Thielman. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you, man. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you today. Yeah, good to chat again. I know we caught up uh, a little while ago, so uh, congrats on the new book. I know it's coming out here shortly. Um We'll probably, we'll probably launch this right about as it's coming out. So, but I, I know we're recording just a little before. So uh, congrats on Thank that. That's you. always a big step, man, to get a book out, dude. Thank you. I, it's it's a, its own spiritual process that um, every new little step shows me a new place that I get to grow. So I'm excited to see uh, in, it launches on April 4th and I'm excited, I'm excited to see what growth I get over the next two months around that too. Yeah. And, I, and I'm excited to get into the book a little bit and, and chat through it. I wanted to take yeah. a step back as I always like to do here, because like, you know, a lot of us that we want to get started again, whether it's a business or changing, you know, who we are, relationships, whatever. It's always interesting to me that there's randomness that happens. Like nothing's planned out. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We can like, we like to think we do right? But we, no one knows. So I wanted yeah. to start with you if we could. You know, when I was doing some research before, I came across this JWT Intelligence Future 100 report that seemed like it was some cataclysmic moment in your life by uncovering that. Um, so I thought, can we start there? I think that was back in like 2014. And then we'll kind of bring yeah. the story forward because I think there's a lot of interesting getting started moments in your journey. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And you're right. That's kind of that was like a really critical point. So the story is that I was working at a marketing agency. And in many ways, just reading the report to 
to like be a better marketer or just like looking at like, so the J Walter Thompson hundred trends of the year report is every year they put out, like, these are the hundred things that we see broadly macro level happening. And so I always read that just to stay, or I would read it back in the marketing days to stay up to date of like, you know, what's coming down the pike that I think we could be aware of. And in December of 2014, I remember reading it and there are two things in there that um, I put together that changed everything. That was so like my getting started moment is really, really like close to that. The first thing that I saw in that report was um, something called the path. It was a medit drop in meditation in New York um, that was done by invitation only specifically for folks in venture back startups or sort of um, private equity and like Wall Street. Um, I don't know kind of the continued path of that of that business, but the idea of having people come together to meditate and specifically people who are already high performers and high achievers was like, was really something that, that had me stop and think. And secondly, people were starting to take uh, digital detox vacations, which is like, you know, you go to this remote place, you everybody puts their phone in a box and no one touches it for a week. And at that time, as a marketer, I was doing a lot of content marketing and responsible for blog campaigns, social media campaigns, you know, trying to get more likes and views on Facebook and Instagram for our clients. And it was really at this, uh, for myself, like an ethical dilemma around, I was doing that day to day and I really cared sometimes for the work we were doing, but then I would go to have dinner with friends and you know, people would be on their phone and I'd be like, put your phone down and let's talk like humans. And so there, there was this tension inside of me. And so seeing this idea that some people were putting all of that stuff away to connect with themselves um, really had me start to, to think like, oh, maybe there's something else. There's another path that we can go down. Had, had you meditated before that like you came across that or was that like a new thing yeah. for you? Uh, no, not formally. I mean, when I was like five or five to 10, I would sit and, um, emulate the teenage mutant Ninja turtles who would sit and meditate right. and go, you know, like, um, and, but I had no idea what it was. And I thought it was, I didn't really realize that really it's sitting and paying attention. I thought it was, there was some like advanced technique that had to happen in order to meditate. So, um, no, I also was always interested in Buddhist philosophy and Buddhist ideas. And, and so it like hit that part of me that that like young part of me that I was always interested in that, that sort of way. But what I did was I started to research the scientific and clinical benefits of meditation and mindfulness and saw like, holy crap, there's a thing here. And the benefits that I saw about increased self-awareness, reduced tension in the body, uh, increased ability just to, to have empathy and be open in space was like, these are the key ingredients that I saw missing from a lot of organizational leadership. And so I thought, well, Let's start doing this. Do you find it? And, and, and I know I'm obviously with a lot of folks you coach, maybe I hear this so often. I know I went through this myself. So I'm kind of curious, was there some sort of prior to this report coming out and uncovering that, was there something though inside you that didn't feel, I, mean, I don't know how to say it best, like feel right. Like for me, it was like this kind of frustration that I could do more, but like, I wasn't, I was very complacent. I was lazy at times. Like I, but, I, but it was kind of like a, almost like an internal, the, you know, the angel on the shoulder with the devil and the other yeah. kind of thing. Like, like Brian, you should be doing more, but it was like this fire inside that was slowly building. So I'm curious for you, was it similar? And this report was just kind of like, again, that cataclysmic moment, as I mentioned of just all of a sudden it just unleashed it or was it something else? 
No, that's it exactly. When I was in my uh, early 20s, um, I was starting to read Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek. Then I got um, connected to Ramit Sethi and his work and his community and saw all these people, you know, starting side hustles at the time. This was like when Gary Vaynerchuk was writing Crush It. And it was like all this kind of like, like do the side hustle thing. And I, I knew even at the very beginning of my career that I was not made to work in a big organization for others. Like I always knew that something entrepreneurial would be, would be my path, would be the way that I would go. And partly was also, uh, it was both to feed that fire. I want to talk about that because my people have that exact fire you talk about. Um, but also part of it was I wanted to ha- take the entrepreneurial path myself so that my kids could see that path. Because no one no one in my family um, had become an entrepreneur in a way that I really could like emulate. And so I thought it would be really important for my kids to, to look at that path. Um, but that, that fire. Yeah. I, I remember I would, I took a graduate level marketing course and one of the people in my class, he was like, you have this angst where like, you're, it's, you're like, never feel like you where you're supposed to be. And I hated him saying that at the time, but it was right. Cause I always could spot the next available opportunity for people and myself. And I always had this feeling of, I'm not living to my fullest potential. I'm not doing the thing I'm here to do. There's, there's another like there's another place for me to go. Part of my essence is called seeker. And so that, that like really is a, a way that nails it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a thing that I have had to battle. It's both a really amazing superpower and after often can be a detriment too. But my people really have that. They know that there's something inside of them that if they don't let it out, they, they will not be okay. Well, it's always this battle of like the seeker, as you're saying, maybe it's, you know, ambition, you know, there's a lot of words we can, you know, use to describe it. But then at the same time, it's, and this is something I've been, I actually, um, I'm reading, I don't know, have, have you read uh, 4,000 Weeks yet? Oliver Berkman, really fascinating book. Um, yeah. But, it, but anyways, I happened to just read this recently. And I've come across this a little bit about this whole idea of like, what's enough? Like, when, when do you eventually get enough? When is it not like... I'm always striving for more. So I, is that something, and I, this is a kind of a, a left-hand turn here, but like, oh, is, is this something, I mean, do you struggle with, or again, the, the folks that you're coaching, like struggle with on the, um, that tussle between, I need to keep doing more. I want to do more. I have the drive to do more, but yet when am I just happy with being here, being now, like you and I in this conversation, like this is it. We don't have to worry about an hour from now. Like this is, we have to focus on. How often yeah. does that come up? How often is that something you're working on folks with? Oh, it's it's moment by moment for me and my people. So um, so my my coach and I have worked on this for a while. She's She is uh, publishing her own book on this idea of, we call it driven, which is like, there's always the next thing. And and I really think it's a spiritual practice that we kind of look at any time. And, and if I like to skip to the end, like the answer, although I think we get to work our whole lifetime on it is everything is okay right now, like 100% okay. And 100% there is another thing. And so like the question is, how do we hold these both potential, like seemingly competing truths at the same time? And I think that's the real spiritual practice. Um, And so that's where I'm playing right now. I don't have the answer down, but I know that that that's the intent is to be able to hold both of those. Is there anything you're trying to do, like you're testing out to find, like it's sitting, writing certain things? I'm just kind of curious if you happen to be doing anything off the top of your head. Yeah, 
so um so since my natural predilection is to always look at the next thing right now i'm paying 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 a lot of attention to um right now which is that like feeling the perfection of this moment and so this kind of takes us back to mindfulness i don't really focus on meditation or mindfulness per se in my work that much these days but it's it's that similar practice of like really feeling into right now is actually like perfect like how can i not only intellectually say I'm grateful for, you know, my screen, you for interviewing me, the stuff that I have, but how can I actually like feel fully embody it in such a way that I can feel joy in my heart. And so for me, it's, it's like, it becomes like this energetic or felt experience in my heart and my body of like, oh yeah, that's joy. It's here. It's always here. And I'm only keeping it out. And so like, for me, it's, it's less like, um, thought-based and it is feeling-based right now. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I mean, that's one of the things I struggle with a lot because again, you want to kind of keep ramping up, you know? And again, I think partly, there, there, listen, there's a comparison bias. Sometimes you see folks online, you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool, you know? And you got to pull in the yeah. reins and be like, man, am I happy with now? Like what I'm doing? Like, okay, this this is good. I don't have to always, you know, go a mile a minute. It's okay to, you know, take a rest and stillness, right? Just kind of friggin' chill out for a minute. Um, anyways, I start totally. with that a ton. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, uh, the other like cosmic joke is that like, as we achieve more and like climb higher on the mountain, we feel like there's further to fall. And so then we end up clinging even more and finding even more of an inability just to be with what we have because we become afraid that it's going to go away. And, and so it's like, if, if we're not attuned to it, it's like a never ending, nothing is enough. I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. And then it perpetuates itself. And it's, it's how people become billionaires, but are still unhappy, I think, um, you know, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm in this quest of like, how can I have everything and love it, right? Like, <laughs> like, just be fully okay. Yeah. I want to try to, I'm going to try to create a, a segue, a bridge here. I think there's, there's one, <laughs> but yeah. I wanted to go back a little bit because something, um, I think I may, I got this from your website or something like that. I was reading that. I was kind of curious was in like 2015, I think you started to branch out and try to kind of create some of this new life for yourself. And you said something around, like you were terrified. I don't know if that was some speaking or other stuff. And I was kind of curious, again, going back to like, I think, I know I got in this a ton of like trying to branch out and be different than I was known my identity was. It's really scary because you have mm -hmm. all these preconceived notions. You have the fear, obviously, from inside. You have the judgment of people looking at you um, that we think matters. So I'm kind of curious, like, why were you terrified? Were there any specifics that you've looked back on? And maybe how you overcame that? You know, were there certain things you did to overcome being terrified or fearful, stepping out into that unknown? I, when I feel into the terror right now, um, what I'm thinking about is to your question of like, did I meditate before? So this is how, this is how it happened. It was, I, I had this idea of let's create spaces where people can drop in, connect, meditate, create work. And then, and then shortly after was let's offer mindfulness lessons for corporations and organizations so they can lead better. And I started to read all of these mindfulness experts so that I could get caught up. And I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, I, why wouldn't anyone just use their stuff or hire them? These, you know, like, why would anyone listen to me? This guy who literally hadn't meditated before he had this idea, um, who I felt like a tremendous fraud. I mean, like that's the, it was very much imposter syndrome and very much felt 
deserve it because I was actually working in an industry that I knew zero about until that moment, or at least intellectually knew zero about. And so a lot of the terror was asking people to pay me, inviting people to say yes or commit to having me work with them, knowing that I felt like I was a fraud a lot of the time. And I remember a conversation with a friend and she said, you know, you can start creating content as the person who is like just a half a step in front of these people as the mindfulness guy, like the mindfulness guy who's not the mindfulness expert. And while I saw the value, I, I never did it. It was just too scary for me to, to, um, to risk not knowing what I was talking about that. I, I so wish I had started writing content back then about that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Like obviously with the just get started mission was the same kind of thing of like, who am I to kind of give folks? And I was like, oh sh shit though, Brian, you've gotten started. Like you had fear, you didn't, <laughs> right. and then you did like, okay, let's share that. Yeah. I'm not 20 years into this, but who cares? You know, I think that's a, a you know, an interesting way to obviously look at it. And the, the perspective there, I think as always is like, why not? What's the, what are we going to do? You know, are you, you going to sit and do nothing? I mean, I guess you could do that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think part of it, like, did you find like you were okay with getting the criticism or that, potential criticism, you know, kind of like the man in the arena thing, like you were okay with jumping out, even though you may get some of the critique of like, oh, he's, he doesn't have the experience or whatever. I took sort of um, like small, the smallest step that I could take. It, it was sort of like strategic leaps of faith. And so some of the first opportunities with was were with people I already knew. Uh, and they were unpaid opportunities or it was, you know, like, so how do I talk to a friend of a friend and share this with them? Um, and so what it allowed me to do is to have a sort of feeling of safety, but like the person I'm talking to right now knows me enough and trusts me enough that they won't completely ridicule me and tell me that I'm full of crap and I should never have done this from the start. And so it was sort of like these oh, calculated risk is how I would say it, right? It was like, oh, I, this is small enough. And eventually I started to build momentum. And, um, suddenly there was like a friend of a friend of a friend or, you know, a, someone tangentially who had worked with me, who had this new opportunity. And, and that was how it is, how it started to scale. And so I, I, what I will say is I continued to take small steps that felt at the time for me, like they were okay enough that if I failed, it wouldn't be catastrophic. And on that point, when did the transition from like, you know, kind of the marketing type roles that you were into coaching and you know, the entrepreneurial uh, world, if you will, how, how was that? Was that a quick process for you? Or did, would you stumble along the way kind of getting out of the full time, the kind of the corporate type to, to doing your own thing? Yeah, it was very stumbly. So if we say like the timeline is December of 14, I have the idea. January, February of 14, I go to a two day mindfulness retreat. So I officially call myself a meditator. Um, our first speaking gig was May of 2015, I think. Um, and then I had a couple of lunch and learns along the way. I, um, happened to, I mean, so it was sort of like uh, universal timing. I happened to decide that I was moving from Nashville at the time to Connecticut. So I quit my full-time job and I went, um, to do freelance marketing then in August of 2016. So it was about a year and a half after the idea inception. I had some opportunities, but was, I mean, like making laughable money, you know, like a couple of lunch and learns a month at most and still doing that as a side hustle. So like, you know, a couple hundred dollars of income a month, it was, it was not livable. 
Um, and so by August of 2016, I quit my job. I stayed on with them as a contractor. I found other marketing opportunities. And it wasn't until I think the end of 2019 that I fully replaced my marketing consulting with coaching work. Uh, and so, so yeah, it was a three-year process for me to, to sort of scale one down and scale the other fully up. You know, for anyone listening and that's in that process, maybe whether, whether they're at day zero or, you know, maybe a year or two in, is there any learnings from that, those, that three-year gap of that they can maybe, uh, take from you? Yeah. Wholeheartedly is, um, like we often have this idea that I call it like the decision in capital letters. Like we add a lot of significance to the idea of like, oh, I'm, if I don't go take this leap, then I'm not doing it right. And I would say, um, that's one way to do it. It doesn't have to be the only way. And my way isn't the only way, but I would say it can be a really, a really smart thing to test your product idea, to make sure that you have some customers, to make sure that, um, you know, it's like you actually have scalable revenue. And so start something as a side hustle, um, really feel into whether or not you want to do it and, and continue to what I find that I did, it allowed me to take those calculated risks. So I didn't have to sign a huge client or risk failing. And so it allowed me to really transition. So my business started as corporate lunch and learns, um, corporate workshops on leadership and mindfulness and transitioned into full-time transformational coaching. And so I very rarely talk about the thing that in 2016, I thought it was going to be my business. And so going through it slowly, what it allowed me to do is to see what I'm really here for, what I'm really good at and what people will pay for. And, uh, without the gosh, like the, that like weight of having to pay all your bills all the time with this one thing. Yeah. Well, it does get you kind of glamorized maybe of like, oh, quit your job and go all in. And that's, again, fine for some people. But I think to your point, it is important to maybe test at a small scale. And by the way, if you can't commit a few hours a week minimum after your full time job, after kids go to bed or whatever it ends up being, you know, how dedicated really are you to seeing it through to replacing it and making it your full time thing, right? So I think there's some sort of yeah. level of commitment you have to make to almost make sure you're you're into it. Yeah. For sure. And and I found I um so I was in uh, I guess I was 30 when I had the idea and I stopped dating for a year. You know, like I I like I I said I I don't have any time or space for this extra thing in my life that, you know, I really really enjoyed. Um <laughs> But was I, I was very clear that my mission and during that time was had to be committed to figuring out what Golden Bristle was um, and how I wanted to make this change in the world. And so I really, I mean, we say sacrifice. I, I just think it, it requires a willingness to say no to the things that don't move us along that path when we decide that that's the path we want to be on. Yeah. And it's just taken out, you know, you can't do everything, you know, so yeah. it's kind of figuring out, yeah, I mean, you got to say no to a lot of things, unfortunately. Uh, but again, to, I think we met, we were talking about this earlier, like to get in a better state, whether it's present moment, or again, things you want to do actually that are, you know, we can use a, a cliche like that, fill up your cup or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. you, sometimes you have to make the difficult decision, right? So that's just, that's just what it is. Uh, on that point, I guess, so in terms of saying yes to some things, no to others, whatever, when did the idea of like, I'm going to say yes to writing a book come up? Like, did that, did you have that idea for a while? And all of a sudden, you know, it kicked into gear or were you kind of on it right away? And like, all right, I got to do this. 
I had thought that I would write a book about the mindful leader framework that I did my TED talk on. That was the original um, framework for my work, but it never, I, I never had any energy behind it. People kept telling me to, and I said, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Like I saw intellectually the, the benefit, but I never had it. What happened was, um, so in 2021, I was a CEO of a company called Pylea. That's a coaching network. Uh, we work with mostly venture-backed founders. It was an amazing year of growth, and I left the year pretty burnt out. So my now fiance and I took a trip to Hawaii after I took like a month off to just like fully reset my body to fill my cup, if you will. But it was like, I had a lot of filling that needed to be done. So uh, 10 days on the beach was really helpful. Um, and on the last morning... Uh, at 4am, we had to get up for our flight. It was dark. I don't wake up in the dark. And I'm not joking. Uh, the book was channeled through me. It was like, there was a clear voice that said, you're writing a book. And I was like, okay, cool. When, like, how does this work? And it was like this year. And I said, okay, great. And then like the whole outline of the book, like came through me. So we, we go to the airport and on the plane, I wrote 80% of the outline of the book that day. And it was the clearest I have ever been. Like, so if like starting Golden Bristle and, uh, you know, that idea from the JWT report was like me causing something like me energetic, like moving something forward myself, the book felt like me getting the heck out of the way from this thing that wanted to come through me. And so like, it was a very different experience for me to uh, both of those ways of getting started. Um, so that is to say, yes, I thought I would write a book. This is coaching, which is the name of the book is not the book that I thought I would ever write, but it happened. Well, doesn't Stephen Pressfield call that the muse, right? It's kind of just the muse talks through you. You got to just get out of the way and, and let it come in. Yeah. And apparently for me, it's 4am in Hawaii is where the muse like visits me most. And then, so what, what happened is we landed and I think two days later I started writing and I, you know, talking about like putting structure in place to, to like support the, where we want to go. Um, I blocked an hour every weekday and committed to doing my best to write a thousand words in that hour every day. Now I didn't do it every day. I didn't do it perfectly. We had some travel, but for the most part, I honored that in a real way. Um, thankfully I had the outline. So I pretty much knew what I was writing. And by August 31st, uh, August 30th, however many days there are in that month, um, the book was done. And then I got in the editing process and that's when I started getting in my way a whole lot again. And that's why I talk about like learning through that now, but the writing process was pretty incredible for me. How did you think about, you know, I'm, I'm bringing this up because I've had, I've had Chandler Bolt on self-publishing school and his book published sure. was awesome. You know, I, yeah. I read a few years ago, but the, the whole idea of like having the outline, that's something I never realized until several years ago. Like, like, oh yeah, create an outline and then write the book after. What we we think of is like, oh, you start at chapter one, word one and go. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of curious, like where they, I guess that that structure, not that anyone would be writing a book, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but like just the outline structure, like how did you go about that process? Why did you go it that way, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the, the what I can say is that that's how it came through. And the book isn't separated into traditional chapters. It's in four parts. It feels more like uh, small vignettes, sort of Seth Godin, you know, style like that. Like, and that's how it came. And the way that the outline came to me was a series of um, like statements 
of like, oh, these are parts of the coaching process and these are statements. I'll share that if I can't say that I consciously wrote the outline in the way that I did, what it allowed provided for me was that I didn't have to make any choices when I sat down and wrote. And that was what was amazing was every day I sat down, I picked one of those statements and I said, oh, I know what that means. Um, there are actually a couple that I wrote down and I was like, I literally have no idea what that means by the time I started writing. And so like, those aren't in the book. Um, so I'm curious what that version of me was thinking, but, um, but, but it like the, the freedom to not have to make a decision about what I was writing every day was so amazing. Um, cause basically I could just, again, let creative ideas flow. And then after that, I could go and edit. Who did you have in mind when you were writing the book? Like, who was it? Who was the book for? Mm-hmm. Probably for me. So I say that the book is um, the book that I wish I had when I started, when I first became a coach, I didn't go through a traditional coaching certification training. So I made up a lot of um, what I do along the way. And so this is the book that I, I wish I had to say like, oh yeah, I am doing coaching and this is what it looks like. It's also a book that I hope that I will return to as a master coach for years and years and years, because it reminds me of the work that I am responsible for as a coach, my own personal work. Um, but but where, where the lessons came from is that I did a coach training called the Samurai Coaching Dojo, and then ended up teaching that that same training for a couple of years. And so, and then building out the coach network at Pilea. And so I've been around hundreds of coaches over the last handful of years. And the lessons in the book were from the questions that I hear over and over and over again, or the struggles that I see over and over again in coaches. And it's just a lot of that sort of combined into, well, here's my thought on that question that you have so that you can also make your own answer and, but, but like be a little bit more grounded so that that question is no longer in the way for you as a coach. Is there one or two or three you would share from the book? Any, anything you could pull out that would be helpful? Uh, well, so the, the one, um, yeah, I'll share two. So the first is that every coach needs a coach <laughs> and that's very meta, but, but my belief is that our job as coaches is to support our clients, um, in doing something impossible. And that often challenges our own assumptions about what is possible. And so our responsibility then is to be supported by a coach so we can continue to expand and grow ourselves because we can really only take our clients as far as we're willing to go. Um, and then the second is the whole book is based on this uh, analogy of uh, a GPS system. And so my assertion is that our job as coaches is to support people in becoming their own GPS navigation. And there are three parts to a GPS navigation, which is where are you going or where, what's your, where do you want to go? Where are you currently? And then what are the parts in between? And kind of two things around that one, for the most part, when we grow up, we have learned to outsource our GPS to anyone else, to society, to our parents, to our education system. And so we, as coaches are often supporting people into, in doing that practice for the first time. And so that's an important thing to think about. And then secondly, a lot of people think about coaching is, um, for the most part, the last part, which is like, what are the steps in between? Like, what's the strategy I need to do something? But I, I think that's actually the last thing to think about. It's so much more important to really get clear on what we want and where we are, because once that happens, um, the, the path just sort of reveals itself often. Um, and so often we're like looking at a path, but 
not knowing why. And so an example I'll give is that for a lot of people starting their business, they're like, oh, I need today, like I need to be on TikTok or Instagram. But if you get curious about like why, it's because we saw that or we think it'll achieve something, but we're not actually clear on the outcome that we think it'll produce. And so just getting curious about what it is we actually want first before coming up with a strategy, I think is is super critical for all of us. Yeah, and if, if I kind of layer onto that, you know, one of the things with the Just Get Started mission is we only discover happiness once we discover ourselves. That's kind of like the, my mantra, basically. Yeah. Be because I didn't realize that for a long time. It was kind of like, yeah, again, let me do this. I want to do this. I want to be whatever. And then, but once I sat and realized like, oh shit, like I don't even know who Brian is. Like, I don't know what Brian really wants. What does make Brian happy and fulfilled and those type of things. And when you actually do that, the decision, going back to what we were talking about, saying yes and no, it makes it a lot easier to say yes and no when we actually have a clear direction and clear path versus just doing what it seems like maybe society wants us to do. And going back to what you said, I think that's where, yeah, like yeah. parents and other folks, you kind of almost want to do like, oh, my parents wanted me to go and be an attorney. So, okay, I'm going to go do that versus actually wanting to, you know. Wholeheartedly agree. And, and so part of the intention of the book is to dispel this idea of what some people think coaching is, which is giving advice or offering mentorship or sharing, you know, like this is what I would do. And, and that's a way to coach. It's not the way that I, that I coach and isn't what I think is the most effective. It's for me, it's way more effective to, to support people in that inquiry about like, what is true for me? And um, my experience is that, and I'm curious if you had this, when you started to look there, like for a lot of us, what happens is it's scary to start to look that because we're like, I don't know, but I should know. And then we have judgments about not knowing, even though we think we should. And then we're really scared that if we find the answer, we won't like it. And so that process of self-discovery is can be really uncomfortable. And that I think loving and challenging people in that space, I think is what coaching is really, really good for. Yeah, I, I 100% agree on that. I kind of, the, the, the phrasing I use, or I guess I came up with was like, we have to reflect and respect. We reflect, nice. reflect on what we want, reflect, and, you know, be open, but then we have to respect what we come up with. Because yes, to your point, I, for a while there, it was really challenging of like figuring out, um, like, is this really what I want? Because again, the societal norms, the stuff that was put in my brain early on, and I kind of grew up with these self-limiting beliefs, I didn't realize that I didn't want those until I actually sat with it. But yeah, I had to respect like, yeah, this is, this is, this is not who you are, you know? So it was a, it's tough, man. It's it, just sitting in general. Like, even if you, you talk about meditation, like even just sitting for five minutes with, <laughs> and just sitting there is tough, you know, but actually having to like write down, like, if, I don't know if you journal or anything, but that was a big thing for yeah. me. Like, reading books, then journaling on it, like trying to figure out like, okay, do I like that? Why did I make this decision here? And then you start realizing like, yeah, that's not, th those were, those were poor decisions, not where, um, I guess I wanted to blame other people in the past. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I had, once I started blaming myself, I think it was where I really got over the, the chasm there, I guess, to a better, um, a better thinking of it. Yeah. And me too. I still blame people quite often every day I find someone else to blame and, and I blame myself and I, I my, my invitation is always moved to responsibility rather than blame, which is to say like, it literally could not have happened any differently. And going forward, how would I, how would I choose to? Cause what we can, when we start to have be in this process of self-discovery, one thing we can, uh, we can tend to do is like 
oh, I, I, I now have this insight. And so I assume that, you know, me for the last 30 years should also have known that. And so I should not have made the decisions I did, but like, we couldn't have done anything different because we didn't see that before. Yeah. So part of it is also like, like you said, is like respecting and like learning to me, it's like learning self-compassion and self-love while also challenging ourselves to keep being in the muck and, and going deeper. And, um, you know, I, I love when you said like, it's tough to sit in meditation for five minutes. Like I, I love when people say like, I can't sit down because I can't stop thinking. And I'm like, great, like go and think and just be with the fact that you're thinking and the fact that you really don't like that you're thinking and then let's talk. Yeah. You gotta, that's you gotta really juicy. Yourself. Well, and that's the thing too. Like we have to put ourselves in the discomfort to even, yeah. even know what we're capable of. Um, you said something I wanted to make sure I touch on because I, I, I really liked it was like, you can't blame yourself. Like this was a hard thing for me to really not have regret over poor decisions mm. in the past because I what that's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. I didn't go through the work yet. So I, I think that's one thing that we carry all this regret or like, oh, I wish I didn't make that decision. But it's like, why blame yourself? Let's start going forward, making better decisions by knowing what we actually want. So I think that's a huge point. Um, gosh, man, this is, uh, well, let me ask you this too. I have, I, I want to be respectful yeah. of time here, but uh, one or two other questions here and really around like, so if someone's thinking, they're like, yeah, okay, Matt, I get you. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I don't really want a coach. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I don't need a coach. Like what's your response if someone's saying that? Like if they're like, ah, I can figure Ooh. it out myself. Like why should someone get coaching? Totally. Uh, and actually this is a section of the book. It's titled, nobody needs a coach. So I agree. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I like, I have no, no judgment on that. I absolutely agree. No one needs a coach. Um, the reality is we're all gonna have exactly the life that we want at any time. My invitation is, is uh, an offer is that uh, I find a coach can help us to have the things we want generally more quickly and with less suffering. And so if, if you want to have, you know, maybe a different way to, to have the life that you want, check out working with a coach. You can probably do have life with less suffering. Um, if you're even in the, this conversation, listening to this podcast, my assumption is that you are someone who is who wants to do something in the world, who wants to take another step. And so I also assume that you're a person who likes to check out new resources. And so uh, what I would say is like, even booking a time with me, there's literally zero downside. Any and all the coaches that I would recommend or talk to will talk to someone at least an hour with zero expectation. And so I'd say like, offer yourself the gift of having a space that is entirely entirely devoted to what it is you want in your life, the life that you want and the success that you want and the experience that you want, like love yourself enough to do that and then make a choice, you know, like there's no pressure at all because no one needs it. Yeah. Well, and if we do look back in terms of the traditional sense is worth, worth probably talking about coaching. Right. But if we do look back and what are some of our fondest memories growing up, right? We have a story about a teacher that was really helpful to us, or maybe it was like a, a sports coach, you know, whatever sport someone played, like there's those stories we all have. Well, why were they important in our lives? They made us feel good. They supported us. Maybe they gave us tough love when we needed it. Like, you know, like that's all what coaches do, right? They're just there kind of as that guidepost for us. Um, so, I mean, I've found value. Um, obviously I know you have as well. So. Yeah. It's so, it's so critical. I, I, and uh, you know, like multiple coaches at different times, but I'm, my fiance and I are engaged and getting married now, thanks to the work we did with a relationship coach. So 
you know, but it, like, it also isn't worth that much if I sit and talk about the stuff I've had, like my invitation is go, go and experience it. And I fully get, as you were, um, Brian naming this, like looking back at those experiences of teachers, I know that I was also raised of like, you shouldn't need that person, right? Like, yeah, that was great. And also be self-sufficient and self-sustained. And, and so I fully get if people are resistant or a little bit afraid of like, if that's challenging their identity to work with a coach, like no hate on that at all. I get it. And me too. Like, it's been really, I've had to learn how to be a really good client in order to be a much better coach. And so I think it's worth it if you want to lead a team, if you want to be a really good partner, if you're a parent, like to learn the humility, to be able to ask for help, I think is so valuable. So I'm going to let you out of here on this. I'm, and this is, this is the open forum. You can take this anywhere. Wow. Um, but someone's getting started. Is there some sort of guidance, advice, a quote, a book they should read, anything specific that you found helpful to help you get started uh, that you'd maybe encourage other folks? Some of it is what I talked about. Of like, notice where you're adding a lot of significance to a decision um, or imagining that like, once you say yes to this thing, then you have to have it perfect or like your whole life will change and just allow yourself to be in the, in the place of, like one step at a time is okay. And you can also always stop. You can also always go back to exactly what you were doing before. So that's one. And then two is the frame of how I operate in the world wholly and completely. And this is a part of my coaching, but a part of who just I am, which is that I believe that we are all, I mean, in a word, we're all God. Like we are all divine, divinely powerful and divinely creative. And so my, in my invitation is choose to see yourself as someone who is immensely wise and powerful and to believe that you have the answer somewhere. And it might just take some, some time and patience and work, but choose to believe that that's there for you. And also that you deserve whatever you want, like look for your own holiness in the same way that you would probably look at it in your kids in your partner, in your friends, and if you in your family, like the people that you really love, like give yourself that same perspective. Thank you for that, man. That was really good. What uh, <laughs> I like that. I know I know nothing else to say on top of that. Um, where can everyone say hello to you online? Where do you? Where are there any social watering holes that you spend a lot of time in? Or yeah, my website is Golden Bristle. Um, if you go to the website and scroll to the very bottom, those little golden boar icon, click that, you'll find out where the name Golden Bristle comes from. That's my little Easter egg. Um, I'm on the socials for the most part at my last name, Thielman in the number one. I'm moderately active on those, but as the uh, book comes out, I'll be increasingly active. And anyone can email me at matt at goldenbristle.com. I read the emails. Uh, sometimes I get backlogged, but I'm on there all the time. And the books, April 4th. Yes. The book is, uh, comes out on April 4th. The title is, this is coaching. I am launching and then, uh, you'll see a WhatsApp group and a page, uh, for the book on my website to be able to find all the places, uh, to buy it. And for the first week, if you happen to listen to this, it's going to be on sale. So go and get it. And you got, you do a publisher. Do you do a traditional publishing? I'm not, I'm self-publishing. Oh, self -publishing. I'm actually creating Golan Bursty Press is awesome. going to be cool, man. Uh, my publisher, but I have an amazing launch team who are helping with all of the marketing aspects and they've been really, really helpful. 
so is, is are they gonna pretty much Amazon you're getting it on, or are you gonna be on Barnes and Noble, or Walmart, like all the major bookstores, or? Yeah, at the start we'll be on Amazon. Um, we're publishing the print copies through Ingram, through Ingram oh, Spark. Okay, yeah. Uh, the intention will be, and so that will allow us to be on indie bookshelves or indie bookstores um, online, and then um, Barnes and Noble is in the future if we get good sales. So it's it's all about like, can we crank it up so that it'll get it out into all those places? Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, hey, good luck with the uh, the book launch. I know that that's always a Having been through it a little bit, it's always interesting to uh, once it gets launched, but uh, that's a big step, man. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's been a really great conversation. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on and uh, look forward to connecting again soon. Same. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in, and have a phenomenal day.